0: Are you about the money or are you trying to get a title? What's going on?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, I like money.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, what's up, Stephen Jones? Uh, I understand you're a real estate broker and you made the 2023 number two um, for the WSB main event. It's a very hard thing to do pretty sweet result. Actually, uh, it sounds like it's been a bit of a dream of yours. Um, from what I've heard.
1: Yeah. 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 Definitely a dream come true. I'm a lucky guy.
0: Yeah. Well, some people would consider, you, well, some people would think that they're unlucky when getting second place in the main event. I wouldn't personally, I'll take it. Um, yeah. It I'll take happened. it. <laughs> um, yeah. So what was it like being at the final table? Uh,
1: like you said, it was literally a dream come true. Um, I was trying to really be present in the moment and just like enjoy it, but you still have all this like stress and anxiety because you just feel like the job's not finished. So it's hard to like, I guess be 100% in that moment, but it was, it was amazing. And then to have all, you know, my family and friends on the rail,
0: like literally a dream come true. It's just amazing. Yeah, shit. That sounds wild. Yeah. I've been to, uh, I've had a bit of that. I've had a taste of that at like for so the PPC, of like winning that and all uh, and that, although I don't know if it compared to the main event uh, final win, that one must be really insane. Especially if you haven't had too many final tables or haven't had too many like first place finishes.
1: Yeah, nothing. I mean, obviously, nothing compares to the main event, right? I mean, it had some, but I mean, this is just on such a different scale. It's insane. And you know, from from the poker community to just anyone in the world that doesn't even know poker that much, that's the one that maybe random people will watch. So you just yeah. I guess the recognition is kind of kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking, in fact, that you're kind of living uh, a lot of uh, these aspiring poker players dreams in a way I understand you're, you were already financially free from real estate. And you're using um, that a bit to pursue your dream of uh, pursue like the poker career and all that. So you're a bit of both You're financial yeah. uh, real estate broker by day and poker player by night. Is that right? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I've, I've been in real estate for 10 years and I've, you know, done pretty well to where I can, you know, finance a lot of these poker tournaments. Um, mm-hmm. so I've been pretty blessed with that. And then obviously everything just took off madly this year. I've done decent poker, but nothing like, you know, this year, obviously, uh,
0: I would think, uh, that the real estate success would be kind of, uh, the American dream as well, just because, and I would think, uh, well, like I mentioned earlier, it would lead towards having financial freedom and there's probably quite a lot of money involved. And, uh, I don't, I don't know what the hours actually look like for, for real estate, but my understanding is that the many of the principles of poker apply, but, um, it moves a lot slower and you still have to, um, you know, you have to find good deals. And I mean, I've dabbled a little bit with myself. I've done some real estate stuff myself and, um, and yeah you just have to find like profitable deals and good bets basically uh is that right or like what kind of real estate do you do actually yeah yeah
1: so i mean you're right a lot of the principles in the, in the lifestyle is pretty similar um and I, I do residential real estate so i'm you know helping uh people buy and sell homes um so it is a long term game and it's commission based if you're not putting in the work you're not getting paid um you create your own hours which is awesome you're pretty much your own boss right out, oh, really? right out of the gate um, which is nice uh, but you get what you put into it, right? So um, you just got to be out there grinding. Um, and then I do my own investments where I buy my own properties too. But I've always had the flexibility, which is why I've always, which is why I love real estate because you're your own boss right away. You can yeah, make your own hours. You're working a lot on the weekends, but um, but yeah, you have the freedom to kind of change your schedule, which is what I've always wanted to
0: do—is just have a flexible schedule. So. Oh yeah, me too. And um, I mean, it's kind of similar with poker. You can. Kind of choose your own hours, but like if the money's good, you, you. Yeah, uh, depends on yeah. how much you value money or your time. Um, but yeah, that's actually really cool. I mean, the podcast is really about uh, it. The aim of the podcast is to attempt to help many of the watchers become financially free and pursue okay. the dreams, whether it's poker or other things like real estate. So, uh, yeah. you know, this is actually, um, you know, as a poker play, I'm actually really interested in the real estate side of things because it does seem like a really lucrative thing. Um, uh, I want to ask a couple questions like, what uh, do you, um, I think the term is flip you, do you add on to, do you edit and add on to uh, properties at all? Or you just buy and sell? And uh, What kind of money were you talking about? Are you strictly in Scottsdale? How does it work?
1: Yeah, so um, I mean, I there's so many things you can do in real estate and I truly dabble in a little bit of everything, um, I mean, obviously, Everyone, as far as just investing, that's different than like you know just working the real estate. And I have my brokerage in in yeah the Scottsdale area, and then also in Vegas. So I buy and sell in both in both places, and you know I get a commission on that. But as far as like anyone that wants to like invest in real estate, I mean it is a long term play. Typically, what I like to do, I mean you can definitely buy something and then fix it up, flip it. You're going to need capital to do that. You know you got put put money into the house, you got to buy the house, but you can always get a hard money loan. And then, you know, you sell it a few months later, make a little bit of a profit. But how I started my real estate business is because, you know, let's, let's say you don't have any money. I, I didn't have that much money back in 2015 is when I bought my first house, right? I've been doing real estate a few years. I bought my first property, um, pulled out loans to fix it up and just held on to it. Now, now I've held that property for eight years and I have like half a million dollars in equity. Um, but I mean, just if you're going to buy real estate and hold it for the long term, you just have, you know, real estate always goes up in the long term. So there's a, there's a play there. And then if you do have capital, you can buy homes, uh, fix them up, flip them, resell them, and then make a little bit of money there. And that's a short term play, but you need capital for that. Um, and I, and I do a little bit of all of it. So I have a few homes uh, right now. I have a couple partners that we do flips. Um, I'm pretty much the, the money guy. Cause I don't have a lot of time to sit there and manage a, a deal, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely a few different realms that you can dabble in.
0: Uh, sure. So what kind of, um, I want to ask, uh, uh, like what kind of like money are we talking about on these flips for one thing? And also don't you buy and sell homes as well? Don't you sell to people? I mean, is there much money in commission from sales for properties? Uh, I just, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what kind of money that looks like.
1: Yeah. So as far as, uh, as far as the sales, I mean, uh, as a real estate agent, you're typically getting two and a half to 3% on a deal. So mm-hmm. whether I'm representing the buyer or representing the seller, I'm looking right around, you know, 3% commission. So, you know, you sell a half a million dollar home, you're making 15 K, which is you know, great. Um, yeah. It might take you a few months working with each client. Uh, but yeah, it can be very lucrative and you know, the higher price homes, you're obviously getting more of a deal. Uh, you can work both sides too and have a buyer and a seller uh, or represent the buyer and the seller in a deal. That's pretty rare, but then you can, you know, your, your commission goes up to upwards of
0: 6%. Oh, okay. Um. Uh, oh, I, was ta- I was talking about the the flipping. I've heard a few different numbers myself. I've, um, oh, yeah. I, I actually tried to flip a house, but I jumped in at the deep end and trusted my partners too much. So it ended up becoming disastrous. I know that flipping can be one of those things is you you do need to know a bit about what you're doing. But I uh, I heard if like you find like the right people to partner with, you could make like oh. I mean like any it, there's like a wide range of things, um, but you'd have to find the right partners. Really, yeah. uh, I know REITs are really po- uh, real estate and I don't know real estate investment funds, something like this. Investment fund. Yeah,
1: investment fund. Yeah, I honestly I I have, I have never dabbled in REITs, so I couldn't comment on that. Um, But I can comment on, yeah, yeah, I haven't done anything with REITs. Um, I know a lot of people pull their money and buy a bigger investment and, you know, you're getting returns. um, But I honestly haven't dabbled into that realm. So I couldn't comment on that too much. But as far as like, um, the flipping stuff that I do. You're 100 percent right. I mean, who you partner with is everything. And people that have done it, they have all their expenses just nailed to a T. You know, they have their contractors, and and those prices. I mean, you can get screwed over from contractors. That's a big part of this business. Is there's a lot of shitty ones, so you got to be careful. So the people I'm partnering with have done you know X amount of flips where they're, they're they're they have a proven model and they know their costs. So there's like not going to be as many surprises. Um, the returns aren't crazy. Um, but I mean, you do enough of them and, and consistent enough, they add up. Um, so let's say a lot of the stuff that we look for, um, we do residential flips. You can do commercial flips. I mean, there's so many, you know, apartment buildings. You- you know, scale up from there. But a lot of the stuff we do, we're we're picking up from like anywhere from three hundred and fifty thousand to like seven hundred, and and we're just looking at okay, what's the neighborhood go for? What is the value after remodel? Um, typically, a lot of the in that price range, we're looking at two to three thousand square feet home, homes, like right in that range, and we're probably dropping a hundred k into them for remodeling expenses. That's roughly what it costs uh, for what we do, and then you know maybe we're returning 100000 hundred to one hundred and fifty. Oh, on top okay. of that. So the big I mean, part is looking at good. what the values, are. yeah, it's not bad. We're looking at the values, what they could be as like su- something, you know, super remodeled and then just trying to get it at a discount are your biggest things.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you basically have to get good deals and not get screwed right. by contractors and, uh, or whatever kind of people that you're hiring for any of the jobs. Yeah. It sounds like you, know, you kind of have to have all your ducks in a row kind of.
1: Yeah. You got to have your people, your, all your, if you have a good slew of contractors, you're winning already because you know, your costs are going to be good and they're not going to screw you over. they are going to be timely. So that's huge.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it would take like a minute for anyone like watching this to get like into a start flipping properties or something like that. Like I just see it real We're realistic that they might start selling some or that, uh, and maybe even investing. I mean, investing is one thing that um, I think is important for a lot of successful poker players in some kind of property. It seems ridiculous to not have some kind of real estate. Uh, I personally, yeah. you talked about Las Vegas. I personally bought like a couple of condos in Las Vegas, and I think those are really good investments because you can also rent them out. You got to know how much yeah. you do with like rent out, buy, you know, rent them out like real boring stuff. That's hard to f- up though. Um, but yeah. like in Vegas, it's like, uh, the properties on the wrong, the strip go up actually pretty well, especially with, or at least they were, um, prior to F1, right. but they're still like good, uh, and you can rent them out, um, like all the time, which is also yeah. good because like, if you can't rent out a property and you're trying to rent it, you got a problem, you got problems. Right. Um, yeah. So how much of that kind of stuff have you done? Is that like a big part of your portfolio is investing and, and just renting places out or what?
1: Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much how I started. So, and, and that's the, I think that's the easiest way for anyone to get started is just go buy a house, go buy a primary residence, right? In a few years, if you want to move, you can just hold on to that asset, rent it out. It's, you know, appreciating over the time. And then at least your tenants are paying your mortgage if you have a mortgage on it. Um, so I have uh, three rental properties. And then this property, I just bought my new primary. Uh, I plan on getting another rental property um, in the next six months Um, but yeah, I mean, you're just, you just accumulate properties, rent them out. Your tenant, if you do have a mortgage, your tenants are covering that, or, you know, there's a, there's a gap there where you're making a little bit, if you're able to buy cash, then you're making all of that profit, but most people can't do that. So, you know, the average person is going to put a, you know, small down payment and then hopefully they can rent that out. Let's say they break even and they're only getting their mortgage. Well, that's fine. At least you're acquiring the property. And then in a couple of years, rents will go up and your mortgage is the same. So that gap just gets bigger and you're making more monthly while. You have this asset that's appreciating, right? Because real estate always goes up over the long term. So that's the best way to get started just start trying to acquire properties.
0: Uh, I also think that real estate would be useful these days because there's a whole lot of signs of kind of um, a whole lot of signs of like economic recession and things like that. And actually, there's issues of, well, I don't know how, you know, one thing I should ask you about is I've been reading, I watched a couple videos about how the uh, housing market is actually. Got some issues lately because uh, there's this there's this growing divide between the middle class and the upper class, and it's making harder. Yeah. It's becoming harder and harder for the lower class to buy properties. Um, is that right? And how do you think if that is right? How do you think that's going to affect the prices of real estate in the future?
1: Yeah, it's 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 really weird time, and the middle class class is certainly getting squeezed. It's uh, honestly. My opinion, I mean, you you could probably get a hundred different opinions from a hundred different realtors, Um, but I mean, it's just such a weird time. So the middle class is getting squeezed. No one can afford homes. The prices are going up and and it's hard for me to see pricing coming down because we have no inventory because Mm -hmm. in the last few years, you know, they lowered interest rates during COVID. A lot of people have sub 3%, sub 4% mortgages. Those people aren't going to sell. Those are usually savvy people who refinance. A lot of people, I think there was like two thirds of people. Have a mortgage uh, under four percent, so this is keeping our inventory down because nobody wants to sell this, you know, three and a half percent interest rate, and then go buy a new house at you know six seven percent, right? So they're holding onto these homes and maybe turning them into rentals, and then and then buying a new home. So that's that's limiting the amount of homes we have on the market right now in Arizona, for instance, in the uh, in the Phoenix metro area, we have like one fourth of our normal inventory, um, so. That when we don't have, you know, it's the common law of supply and demand. If you don't have enough supply, then uh, how can pricing, how can pricing come down? But at the same time, these interest rates are going up and that's supposed to make pricing go down. Um, But, you know, both factors are kind of moving against each other. So the market's kind of just staying here, maybe going up a little bit. Um, I just can't see unless something crazy happens where we get a big slew of inventory. If we don't get more inventory, pricing can't come down. Hopefully, you know, eventually I think the interest rates are going to be coming down over the next couple of years, and that will at least alleviate some of the pressure and, and help affordability um, for people to buy homes. But I just, I don't see the, the market crashing or coming down drastically unless something crazy happens because we just, we don't have enough supply. So it's just weird, this weird space we're in right now.
0: Oh, that is really weird. I guess uh, then if people can buy houses, they, they should. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I mean, don't yeah. wait. I mean, even if it, even if the market does go down in the short term, real estate always goes up in the long term. So if you can hold on to it, I mean, just buy buy when you can, and just hold hold for the long term.
0: Uh, all right. Um, well, did you start as uh, an agent uh, as someone who's buying and selling, or like, what did that have to after you actually bought your house? How did you actually get into all to all of that?
1: Yeah, so I, I did start as an agent, and I just had a family friend kind of introduce me into real estate. And if anyone's trying to get into real estate, I think the biggest thing you can do is have a mentor, because once you pass your real estate exam, you you're just thrown out to the wolves. You have no idea what you're doing. Uh, but to have a mentor kind of guide you through everything. I mean, that that was worth its weight in gold for me. So I was just a regular agent, and then after uh, I know the Arizona and Nevada law is once you have your license for three years and you you know work full time and done X amount of deals. I can't remember how many deals you had to have done. Um, but then you can apply for your broker's license and then have your own company after three years. So that's oh, what really? I did after three years, and and it's still the same thing. I'm still buying and selling real estate, but now I'm you know I have the company and then I can hire agents under me as well.
0: Oh, okay. So if, if someone was like had this idea of getting into real estate, that should have in, in their mind the goal of okay, I want to get like you know get your own company and like hire other agents and that kind of thing. That should be like one yeah. of the goals. Like plus get some property and. I'll work, uh, work a few of the angles. It sounds like,
1: yeah. And then you just you become so knowledgeable about buying and selling homes, where you 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 just learn so much, where you're comfortable doing it yourself. So after I've done it for a couple of years, it just made me really comfortable buying a home. A lot of people are scared because they're like, oh, what if this breaks? What if that breaks? Oh, there's so much I don't know. Well, what, I mean, if you have your real estate life, you and you've done these transactions, you just learn. And then just, I, I mean, if you do take that leap and just buy a home, you learn a lot real quickly, and it, it's really not that scary. You just need a handyman. You're good like they can fix everything there's really not too much and you have insurance that's covering you property insurance um so there's a lot of stuff that's covered it. it once you figure things out it's not quite as scary as it seems from the outside if you have never jumped into that realm
0: okay okay it's good to know and yeah and in poker um it really helps to get someone teaching um i actually think at first people should learn from the training sites and all the resources available and then once they start moving up on stakes learning the basics, they should also get a mentor at some point. Yeah. Is probably a good idea just because it gets, I mean, I don't know if real estate's like this, but at least in poker, there's lots of information out there. And it's probably, I find this to be true in other fields is that it's kind of tough to figure out what's like really the top quality information. Um, do you find that to be true in real estate or is it just not that difficult?
1: No, it is. Um, I mean, there's probably less of a discrepancy as maybe some other things because um, but I mean, yeah, like you you talk to a bunch of different people and there's so many different ways you can go and there's so many different opinions. So yeah,
0: it's it's kind of all
1: over the place. You just have to have a trusted source or, or a mentor.
0: Yeah, I can see how people could totally get confused. I personally got confused in nutrition and when I like, had to look more into like uh, exercise and these kinds of things, I realized how complicated it actually was. Um, I want to ask uh, what kind of time are we talking about of investment? And also how do you, end up balancing this with poker because I would think that it sounds like it will take like a few years at least to start making some real money in real estate. And I don't know what kind of, what kind of hours are we looking at here Um, and where does the poker fit in?
1: Yeah. So um, I mean, yeah, at first it was, uh, I guess, less poker um, because it it probably took me a good year and a half, two years before I started making six figures in real estate. And then, uh, you know, have a little
0: bit, yeah, it's pretty good. Two two years, one and a half years is yeah. six figures. That's uh, that's that's pretty fast. I think a lot of people would be like, "Yeah, that sounds great." Yeah, no, it's not.
1: Yeah, it's not bad at all. Um, I think it's a little bit tougher point of entry right now. I got in at a great time. Um, there's less homes for sale, like I said, right now. So maybe that takes a little bit longer. But it's really about knowing the right people. If you know the right people, you can get you know you can hit that number pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I always balance poker with just uh, or with real estate and poker. Um, I mean, if I'm playing cash games, it just feels like a grind. You're always there. You're always playing, which I'm not a huge fan of. I mean, I'll, I'll play some cash games, but I'm more of like a tournament guy. So I'll just grind my face off in real estate for a while. Maybe I have some extra money. And then, okay, I have the freedom to where, okay, I'm going to go travel, go to Vegas or go over here, wherever I want to go to go play in some tournaments. So I'll take sure. a week off for, you know, for the series, I'm pretty much, you know taking that whole time off. And then if I have to go show some homes, I'll, you know, maybe I'll take a couple of days off. If I have to drive down to Scottsdale or if I'm showing in Vegas, i take a few days off, um, take care of those, those clients and then just go right back to my tournament. So I pretty much just plan to play in a bunch of tournaments um, when I have the free time. And then now I'm trying to flip that and I'm trying to play a lot more poker than I am doing real estate because I'm pretty established and I have my people who can kind of take over while I am gone. And now I have more financial freedom or i can make that happen too so it's kind of nice
0: uh, okay um so was it was it not like a grind in the first place was it like a 40 hour a week grind 80 hour week grind what kind of grind For real are state, about? yeah
1: yeah honestly yeah at the beginning yeah i would say probably 30 hour grind so nothing crazy uh, you know? um it's not bad at all but 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 you're really grinding so if if, if you get a call or you get a lead, you have to be ready where you jump. If that client says jump, you jump. So you kind of always have to be just attached to your phone or whatever like lead source you have. You have to be paying attention. As soon as something comes in, if someone wants to see a home right then and there, you just do it because that person's going to call the next person if you're not available. So it is like maybe only a 30 hour grind, but you just have to be available. The first couple of years, just be available in, in a moment's notice. And I think that that's just huge. I um, mean, it's it, so it feels like you're working longer because you have to be available more, um, but it's totally worth it. Once you get an established amount of clients, let's say you've been doing it for a few years, it just pays off in dividends because people are referring clients to you. Then you get repeat business, and then it just shoots up tenfold. Um, but yeah, at the beginning, you just have to be you just have to be ready. You have to be
0: available, and you have to be hungry. Hmm. Uh, that doesn't That doesn't sound too bad, actually. Uh, no, it's it's, I- it's not. So um, what made you decide to uh, want to grind poker so much? Are you about the money? Or are you trying to get a title? What's going on?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I like money. <laughs> but no, it's, uh, poker's been my dream. It's been my, like, happy place for forever. I mean, I learned when I was young. And that's, you know, always just coming up, watching the World Series of Poker on TV as a teenager. It's been, like, my dream. Um, just the, the glory, the money. Um, and then when I am playing in these tournaments... Um, and I just enjoy tournaments so much more than cash. It just feels like that's like my happy place. I'm just like, I'm chilling. I'm content. I know I'm going to be there for 10 hours and maybe sometimes. And, and I'm cool with that. And I have a plan. And it's just like, I'm enjoying that. And, the, you know, the the table talk and the camaraderie, it's just like, I just enjoy being in that moment. But then obviously the, you know, you, you want to win the money is if there was no money involved, I probably wouldn't love poker as much, but, but I also just love being at the tables in that, in that spot. Um, and then the, just the dream of being able to hit, hit, a big score in these crazy, massive fields. Um, you you got to believe it. You know, you got to be a, you got to be a dreamer and a believer.
0: Yeah. I noticed that. Uh, yeah. You have to really be a dreamer to make your living from tournament poker specifically. It's, <laughs> uh, from purely that is uh, really intense. I mean, I, I, it's much easier to make a living from cash games only because I mean uh, uh all the guys that are watching this probably know this. It's just like a very, very inconsistent pay, as you can say, yeah, um so are you not playing any live private games, some big private games with like wealthy real estate people or things of that like that?
1: yeah, I'm playing in some local private games here and there, um nothing crazy but but yeah i've I've definitely been dabbling in that, and then I've been traveling playing on some of these streams too. Um, like Tropicana, Hustler, um, the lodge I played in all those streams. I want to do more of that. That's where like cash games are a bit more fun to me is when you're playing obviously bigger stakes and then like the stream games. Um, but if I am playing cash, honestly, I, I prefer PLO, but there's not a lot of like stream games for PLO. So a lot of those are like kind of private games and such.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I was about to say like, for me, the cash games are much less of a grind just because things are a lot more relaxed and, uh, casual not so tense whereas i find tournaments specifically everyone's very tense and yeah people have to play really tight and serious because uh, uh the bubble there's the bubble and all that but in uh, the stream games you get to eat whatever you want to get a massage well massage either way but uh or like <laughs> a private game you get to do that or you could take a break and hang out with everyone yeah. or whatever it is where it's like kind of like a it's kind of like a party at a private game or it can be and at yeah. a stream game it's like a like a novelty and um yeah, yeah. and still like you're treated like luxury basically compared to some of these tournament places
1: yeah no for for sure and, and i think that's why i get more enjoyment out of those things now whereas before maybe i'd be having too much fun and, and you know i didn't want to blow money where now it like doesn't matter as much and i can just like relax and you know now that i got that big score out of the way i definitely enjoy them a bit more um But yeah, the, the cash game grind is definitely, it seems like it'd be a lot more fun if you were just coming up through the live streams and such, but most people can't do that. They're starting at these smaller stakes, which I find that to be, it was very painful.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Grinding up on the smaller stakes is, uh, yeah, not the, not the best I would say, but, uh, there's, (laughs) there's, uh, some, some possible, there's some ways of making that not so painful. So, are you planning on like traveling to any of these stops uh, for poker? Have you got? It sounds like you haven't. You haven't mentioned anything about overseas or anything like that. Uh, I'd also wonder does if it makes sense to expand your real estate to some of these overseas places. Maybe it's just too complicated. But there's like events, you know, in Barcelona and all these European stops, and well, kind of everywhere yeah. actually.
1: Is. Well, yeah, yeah, um, and I, and I've actually I've, I have been traveling a little bit to play. Like, I try to make a couple stops a year, even before the WSOP win. Um, but after that, I, I just recently was in Barcelona um, for the EPT, and then um, where else did I go? Maybe that was it. I, tra- I traveled more, but maybe that was the only poker stop out of the country. But I've also played in Ireland at the Irish Poker Open. That's that's a lot of fun. Um, so I've that's kind of been my thing, like traveling and playing because. You know, yeah, you're going to play in these tournaments. Worst case scenario, you lose, you bust a tournament. Well, hey, you're in another country. Go explore. So it's like the perfect combination. I know you do it a lot, too, so you can appreciate it. Um, but as far as like tra- expanding real estate into some of these other places, it's probably too complicated. And I don't have the time or the, the energy to put into that. But um, but to travel to play poker is pretty awesome. And I definitely want to, to ramp that up um, a little bit more.
0: Okay uh yeah yeah um well there's loads of loads of possibility for that it's too bad you know i hear about all these real estate possibilities and like cyprus and all these crazy places i think like there must be just loads of opportunity somewhere it's just maybe too complicated to get to know the people know who's good and who's bad and that kind of thing um it's not that complicated in poker but you do have a bit of that problem as well when you're thinking of going to play in live games but you can find out pretty quickly from just asking around and that kind of thing yeah. know, maybe just real estate doesn't work like that is that right
1: well no i mean i guess you could figure it out um but I, I guess i was thinking you were coming along the lines of like starting my brokerage out there but as far as like investing yeah like you said you just ask the right people and, and do your research and there's definitely opportunities i've heard the same thing with some with some exotic places like there's really good investment opportunities um but i i would think that you probably have to have a, a decent amount of cash to to buy something. I don't know how like getting a loan and something like that would work. So you probably need cash if you're buying anything or doing anything like that, which is obviously doable now, but, but yeah, you just got to ask the right people. Like you said.
0: Well, one thing is that the uh, legal situation varies per each country. I mean, it could be better actually in some countries yeah. than in the USA, but you need to have like law knowledge. I think yeah, when it comes to real estate you need to have like knowledge of like the laws and how these investments work when you're investing in sketchy places. Uh, where? Who knows what can happen?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. That's that's that is definitely the scary scary part.
0: Yeah. Well, um, do you have anything else you've got um planned? Uh, in the real, do you have any big projects? Do you have any big games you got planned, or uh, goals, or another thing that this podcast is um often about is about uh, making a positive impact. And so, like, if you do have anything altruistic planned that you do with your money um, that you haven't mentioned before um, as well, because uh, uh, I've dabbled a bit in that kind of area. And the theme of the podcast, as I said, is to find ways in which to help uh, the world at large, especially the audiences. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, As far as yeah as far as what I'm doing I mean I'm kind of dabbling all over did you when you asked me did you mean like like charities and stuff like that is that what you're asking or like what else am I doing
0: Finger it can phrase. mean charities but charity is only yeah. one aspect of helping yeah. um, in some kind of way it's actually not even my favorite way of helping because it, charity has lots of problems and there's lots of ways to give charity that actually do not do good um, which is you know a bit of an issue and so actually yeah. starting businesses seems to be move to make in a lot of spots okay
1: yeah honestly i'm I'm still like trying to figure that out i was actually just talking about this recently um because i just completed like so many things on my vision board now i haven't allowed myself to create a new one yet because i've been just all over the place but my goal is by the end of the year i'm going to create a new vision board and figure out what that new vision board is as far as what my next goals are um i mean i have a few things in mind i don't have them all on you know concretely yet But um, like I said, I was starting the flipping stuff. So that's, you know, one thing um, that I'm going to be more heavily into. Um, I was looking into charity stuff, but I just started talking to people. So I got to figure out what that works. And just like we've been talking about this whole time, like it's all about who, you know, are talking to the right people because you can get screwed or donate to a charity that's not doing the right things, like you said, which is unfortunate, but it happens. So I'm still trying to get all my ducks in a row and figure out what that next, those next things are. Um, but I know I'm, you know, my next, I'm playing a lot more poker. I'm going to be trying to play a lot more streams, um, and just kind of get out there more in, in that realm and then, um, kind of have my money in real estate work for me rather than like cold calling and trying to grind these, these deals, maybe more on the investing side yeah. now, as opposed to the grind side. Yeah. Cold calling is,
0: <laughs> cold calling.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it is. I know I've <laughs> experienced
0: that. Um. So uh, when it comes to charity, it's not—it's partly that, you know, charities are not always honest or just don't use the money efficiently. Uh, it's also that, like, sometimes you can give money to causes and, like, they totally use it in the way that they're supposed to. But if you, you know, for example, if you just continuously feed people, you know, you're not, the people still need to, they're always going to be hungry and they might end up depending on you to get the food versus trying to earn their own food and make their, get their own food for themselves. So it so happens that it's uh, you want to think of how you make these systems sustainable. So you don't have to like keep doing something. Um, yeah. And that's like really the way of like making quite a difference. That's why I, that's a big reason why I ended up thinking, okay, what about getting into children as you, or one of the reasons why I ended up getting into children's education. But there's a lot of different venues and there's a lot of different possibilities. It's actually kind of a complicated, um, it's kind of a complicated discussion. i talked a little bit with, yeah. uh, Jake and others about it. Um, but, uh, what else was on your vision board that you completed?
1: Well, a lot of it was financial goals. Um, like having a certain amount of money in my bank and then making, making a, a um, a seven figure year where, wherever mm-hmm. I got that money from, you know, I wasn't hundred percent sure, but that was on, on the board um i keep looking over here because it's it's in my closet but uh um and then i had a picture of like the wcp champion um so that was like my goal very yeah. close but you know we'll still count it um but a lot of it was like financial stuff and then i had my dream car on there which is a g wagon which i just bought this year oh, um nice. and then property goals which i bought another property this year which is awesome um so yeah a lot of financial stuff the main one i haven't accomplished yet is wife and kids, but you know, we'll, we'll take our time with that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was a lot of financial stuff. And then I have like affirmations and gratitudes on there that I just kind of go through and just like remind myself of because like it just gets you in a positive, um, thought process every day.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. Some, sometimes the little things like that can be quite important. Uh, did have a grad to practice for a while. Didn't seem to uh, probably should do that one more but um that one uh it's yeah, gratitude especially uh should be pretty good according to yeah. a lot of the research there's lots of positives of it so it's pretty obvious that if you're not never grateful you're always, always wanting something
1: so yes yeah.
0: that's, that's at least the thought process i've, I've had with it
1: yeah it, it puts you in such a if you're in that gratitude mindset you're in you're going to create more abundance because you're happy and you're just creating, you know, positive, just like the law of attraction, you're putting positive, you know, energy out there. So that was huge uh, for sure. me to, to, flip, to flip my brain that way. And then once you're thinking that way, I feel like the success just rolls in. It's pretty incredible. So yeah, those small practices really can do wonders and just provides you with a good mindset overall.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. That makes, uh, I, that makes quite a bit of sense. Um, I mean people for sure want to be around someone who's happy rather than someone who's like miserable all the time and, yeah <laughs> uh, more likely to do business with someone who's like happy and like feeling good um it makes quite a bit of sense to me well anyway uh, um it sounds like uh, you've got quite a positive future and uh yeah thank you for your time on the podcast uh is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we wrap things up Do you think would be good for the audience
1: uh, no, I can't. I guess I can't think of anything else.
0: Yeah. Okay. I appreciate you helping me though. It was, it was a good time.